Welcome to Out of Breath, where you'll embark on a no-holds-barred journey through the gritty realities of sleep apnea and sleep dentistry. Award-winning, board-certified otolaryngologist Dr. Madhan Kandula and best-selling author Jason Tierney pull no punches as they dissect the industry's flaws and triumphs, providing you with an unvarnished look at the dynamic and ever-evolving world of better sleep. So I have a question for you. Okay. What are you afraid of? Uh, what am I afraid of? Uh, silence. <laughs> I knew I was going to bring <laughs> No, I mean, when I say silence, I mean, I think uh, I, I thrive on... Um, I my mind is always going and I need, I need something to, to kind of occupy and keep it going. And, uh, when I say silence, I sort of almost just mean, um, maybe, maybe more, may, more like stillness. Maybe when I, I'm sorry, I'll take it back. I think what I, what, what scares me is sort of lack of purpose for me personally, lack of being necessary. Um, I'll use my children as a specific example. My children are, I've got one in college and my youngest is a freshman in high school. And, you know, so when they, when you have a child that's first born, there's a massive, there's a need that's there, a very palpable, uh, physical need. And that turns into an emotional connection that eventually turns into sort of a slight distance, which then turns into the teen angst, which is like, you know, a real thing. It's just separation, which then turns into, there's not real, like my children at the ages they are, they don't need me. Mm-hmm. And so as hard as need is, it's also purpose. Um, so I guess in my, if I live long enough, I will, I will exist in a life where I'm no longer necessary, mm. uh, no longer helpful. I'll be living off of the fumes of um, that podcast that I taped with Jason Tierney. <laughs> <laughs> People will be like, hey, uh, weren't you that guy who did that? And then they'll say, uh, cool, can you move out of the way? Um, that, that's the thing. I mean, I, I think that it doesn't, it's, it's not, it doesn't scare me necessarily, but I know it's my destiny. Um, you know, meaning there, there's sort of the momentum mori thing, which is slightly different, which sure. is, you know, constantly acknowledging the fact that you're going to die, um, which I think is super healthy. It's, yeah. it's, talk, it's, talk about that for a minute, because a lot of people aren't familiar with that. Yeah, process it's literally, that I think it comes from stoicism, but yes. it literally is this constant, they'll, people will carry coins around in their, in their pockets, uh, and they'll put their hand in the pocket and they'll rub on this, which basically just, just is a, an acknowledgement of the fact that I'm going to die. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you say that it's not morbid, it's actually I, I, it, how I view it is a, um, I'm fleeting on this earth. Um, and someday I won't exist. Therefore today, um, am I, but, but basically hopefully not today is mm-hmm. the day that that's come, that, that at the end is coming for me. So today, am I doing everything that I should be doing, can be doing? Am I, am I, it's almost like, am I making this a meaningful day? Yeah. Um, yeah. Because it, 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 you should live as if though, I mean, it, it, it it's like Shawshank redemption, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, get li- busy living or get busy dying. And it's that reminder, that constant reminder that you could leave at any moment. And right now, are you doing what's most meaningful, most purposeful in your life? Because if it's not, then you should probably, you, you have, you didn't die right now. Yeah. So you've got an opportunity to change it. Correct. Yeah. And that's an exact, and for me, um, because I think about everything, this is something that I think about and I'd say, yeah, I'm absolutely 100% exactly. 
I'm where I'm supposed to be doing what I'm supposed to do, be doing and doing it in the way um, to the best of my ability. And I'm, you know, from a purpose standpoint, still necessary, still needed and um, making a, a significant impact. Um, now, that's my that's how I choose to believe it. Somebody else will have their own opinion on, you know, what they think I should be doing or shouldn't be doing. Um, and but but it, 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 I think. I guess, though, I go back to um, I've had the privilege of living a life with very clear purpose, um, and that's a beautiful thing. So back to your question, I'd say there will be a moment in time, you know, it could be a, a long, you know, <laughs> that that, that la to me, I always view it as the kind of the last phase, that last phase um is likely to, if I'm lucky enough, I will live long enough to have a phase in my life where I'm uh, no longer actively useful. I will be reflecting on the life that I used to have or had. Um, and while I, it, when I say it scares me, um, it does scare me. That really does. I mean, like that's, it's, it's scary in a, oof, how am I going to, how am I going to do in that? Mm -hmm. Because I really, I, I, I thrive on, uh, being necessary and having purpose. Yeah. So in some organizations, what people do in leadership roles is they, are, they create situations where there's always a need for them. Mm -hmm. And that's limiting to the organization right. most of the time. Absolutely. So how do you ensure that you don't do that? I, I'm, I'm trying at the, at the, I'm trying to create the exact thing that I said scares me the most. So specifically for me, how I view it and, and it, how I view and we'll talk about Advent specifically. We could talk about my, my family too, is what's my job at Advent? My, how I view any, basically anything at Advent that requires my hands to be on it is fundamentally broken. And we need to figure out a way to fix that. I need to have my hands off of everything. Um, now I'm CEO of this organization. So eventually what that means is I should only be spending my time on strategy, on culture, on, you know, very specific things. Um, so there's still a need that's there, but that need, um, it, 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 it needs to recede over time. The organization needs to be strong enough to be able to stand and, and, and act on its own. I have the same mindset with my children, if that makes sense. So mm -hmm. what does success look like for, for my children is I've uh, instilled in them the right attitude and, um, you know, whatever mindset and values so that, you know, I, I'm like this and really, um, and then it, then they're going to live their lives. And, and I'm no, I mean, I, like I, I, and I'm no longer truly necessary. I'm kind of nice to have around hopefully. <laughs> and, and, you know, but, but I'm not necessary. I'm not necessary for them. And, uh, as sort of sad as that is, that's that's the sort of the natural you know course of life. It's a cycle. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing, and and to be able to have, I go back to, and it's a beautiful thing to have had um, those moments in time because life is fleeting, and because I won't be here anymore. So then, my children, as that in that example, um, will you know hopefully be able to do the same sort of thing. So one day they too can become, you know, useless and die so that, you know, that that's that cycle yes. of life. But I, I view, you know, business and, and organizations are very much the same thing. And so Advent 
is in this sort of adolescent phase I'd kind of consider us right now. And, um, you know, we're, you know, I, I, it, that what's healthy for the organization is like I said, my hands off of mm-hmm. it. Um, and, and so I'm, I'm working. That's my, that's my constant work. We're kind of taking that comparison though. I mean, in, in a practice, in a business, if you're a leader where the entire organization is dependent on you to make decisions, to take actions, to get things done, mm-hmm. that's like having the, 55 year old kids still living at home, sure. living in the basement, you know, sucking off the teat while playing Madden yeah. in the basement and <laughs> exactly. smoking a vape. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That kind of guy. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, exactly. And, and it, it's, there's a, there's a natural tendency to want to continue to make yourself, you know, to keep that attachment, to maintain that. Sure. Um, I'm, I, again, I, I, it's to me, it's active work to to sort of do the opposite. I'm I'm trying to. I mean, when you think about, like, even when you think about our clinics, that's what we do. Uh, Advent started in one clinic. I was the 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 the, the one doc that was there, and um, you know, how do you say it? People didn't come to Advent; they came to see Dr. Candula. Sure. You know, we they picked the phone up and they said Dr. Candula's office. That was for years, mm-hmm. long time. Yep. And, and that was, and that's fine. I mean, we were called Advent, but people would just say, Hey, you know, you know, you know Dr. Candula's office. So I actually, I think the, 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 the greatest magic trick I ever performed was taking a practice and a business that was based around one individual, this guy, and, um, disappearing myself as a, um, practitioner. I still practice, but I'm, it's more of a, nice to have. I'm certainly not a must have mm-hmm. and recreating myself in the form of my surgeons and my, my medical ENTs, my PAs and nurse practitioners. That was, that was a conscious thing. So that was something I did after reading e after going through traction. And it was like, no, this is, this is what I need to do, um, for the good of the organization and to be able to reach as many people as possible. Um, on the flip side, like I love seeing patients. I love operating. There's uh, there, there's so much of that that I loved mm-hmm. and still love, but I'm needed in a different place in the organization. I mean, the organi- in order for the organization to grow, I've got to get out of its way. Mm-hmm. And, and another way to think about that is me. If I'm a if I'm a constraint, I talk to my my hands and my fingers. Is if I'm constraining a person, a department, um, you know, whatever it may be, uh, I have to be um, able to be aware enough to acknowledge that and then whatever, let's smash that, that vase so, sure. so things can grow. Yeah. Why do you drive a Tesla? <clears throat> it's a fun car to drive. What's fun about it? It's uh, it, it caused me to step out of my comfort zone. Like I, my, the first Tesla I got was in 2018 and people kind of forget. I, it's an interesting, like when you think about, I'm actually in the middle of Elon Musk's most recent biography and, um, you know, so, and they, 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 they're talking, they, they, they're talking about like the sausage factory, like what was ha- like, if you, when I was list- literally talk- listening about, um, Tesla in 2018, Tesla in 2018, um, was super sketchy, yes. uh, super duper sketchy. And so for me, the, one of the reasons I got a Tesla back then was that it was like, this is going to be uncomfortable. Like, I, you know, like even that there's a, there's sort of what range anxiety, like, <laughs> like, what am I going to do? Like, they don't, you know, how am I going to do that? Yeah. And, uh, so that's part of the reason, part of the reason it was just, it was it's fun to drive. Uh, I don't drive that much, but that's about it. Yeah. So no, it wasn't like a big, uh, I, I do feel like it is definitely, um, I'm the walking stereotype for the, for a Tesla driver, um, in, in the medical community, um, 
Indian physician Tesla driver is like a uh, <laughs> one and the same. It's, it's the that's same the thing. Trinity. It's like, it's like check, yeah. check, check. So yeah. as, as much as I hate being a stereotype, I'm not going to not do something just because it's stereotypical. If sure. that makes sense. Yes. So yeah. so you're halfway through the book. Yes. What 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 view that you previously had of Elon Musk has changed as a result of what you've read? Um, I, I kind of already knew that I've, I've read a couple of the other things written about in books and things. Yeah. Uh, and I already knew this, but I think it, I, there's a, a sadness to his life that isn't well understood or appreciated. Um, so that's where I, you know, as, as we're halfway through, you know, it really is the, it kind of those moments of silence in his life as he's with, I mean, he's been married and divorced and whatever cohabitated and all that kind of stuff. But he, there's, um, his life has been fantastic, <laughs> brutal. Um, all of those things, the, the author that wrote this book, uh, Walter Isaacson, he teaches at Tulane. My eldest daughter goes to Tulane. And so I was down there at a book conference, um, last year, Walter Isaacson was being interviewed by Kara Swisher. Kara mm -hmm. Swisher is a, a journalist out in the, in Silicon Valley. Yeah. So she, she's interviewed everybody, you know, everybody, everybody, Steve jobs and, you know, uh, Elon Musk and uh, you name it. So they were talking about the book hadn't been released yet. So she was talking, ask. So uh, Walter Isaacson basically was was Elon Musk's shadow for years. Yes. He would go, he'd be there, you know, all these different places, and that's what the book is. That's how he wrote the book. So she was she framed it. Kara Swisher was was talking to Walter Isaacson and and basically like kind of frame not kind of framing it like Elon Musk is a horrible person. Um, and almost like, uh, anything that he's done good for the world has been negated by what such a, what, what a horrible person he is. Um, that was literally kind of basically what she said. And Walter Isaacson, who's in, who, who did Steve Jobs's biography, he, right. he's, he's, he, he too knows all these people. Um, he took the counter, which is, you know, uh, Elon Musk is an imperfect person who, uh, net nut has, um, done greater good for the world, um, then, you know, then his flaws would, would, would cancel out. So the world is better off for having Elon Musk in it and having, uh, the, the you know, the changes that he's created, um, and, and versus having, they, she was sort of going this in this place where it would be better if he was a nicer person and didn't say some of the things that he said. And, um, I'll, you know, that that's possible. And Walter mm -hmm. Isaacson would said, no, it's not. And, yeah. and they said the same thing. They said the same thing about Steve Wozniak and Steve Jobs is, is, is Steve Wozniak is super nice guy. Mm -hmm. Would Apple be Apple if Steve Wozniak was running it? Hell no. And Wozniak yeah. has said no about that uh, very absolutely. issue. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it gets sort of gets to, there's a, mm, you know, people can't handle the truth and you don't have to be an asshole. Uh, but you kind of do at times, meaning and you don't, Elon Musk is, um, it goes beyond, I don't know how you say this. I mean, I, I read the book too. Okay. And certainly there, and it's a recurring, there are several recurring themes in the book and I guess, you know, as in his life. Sure. One of them is, yeah, he, he has a tendency to treat people very harshly mm -hmm. and these people being you know, sentient beings are, uh, they're, they're upset sure. by it. He doesn't even remember that it happens. He attributes some of this to Asperger's. Right. Uh, true. I don't, I don't know. He's, you know, self-diagnosed. Self right. But, it, but 
over the years in my career, what I've seen is that very driven people that have a, you know, a nearly a singular focus or a primary focus, it's mm-hmm. well above the others. It's that drive that makes them successful. It's that focus on attaining that goal or those goals that make them successful. And oftentimes that comes at, you know, the, the, um, at the uh, others suffer as a result of that. And, you know, I remember at one point in a past life where I got an, an, a, a review, a performance review, mm-hmm. and all of this glowing praise, right? All these things that I did well. And the, there are two pieces of constructive feedback, and this one has left a scar on me. Really? Okay. Because one of them was he wears ties all of the time, which can make people feel that the workplace is too formal. That's a scar you're, you're still? Or... And the other okay. was sometimes when he's trying to get things done, he can be short with people. Now, that's true. And... Mm-hmm. You, you know, oftentimes, I mean, I, I, you've read and experienced enough of this, you know, our, our worst traits are really positive things just run amok, right? So if we can mm-hmm. sort of temper them a little bit, but when you pull it back too far, mm-hmm. then you're no longer this A-plus all-star performer. Sure. You know, it can't come at the cost of the performance. Mm-hmm. And... So whether it's Asperger's, whether it's assholeness, mm-hmm. whatever it might be, I would I would side with Isaacson here. That could, is he a jer- is is Musk a jerk to many people many times? Sure, is it a net positive what he's contributed to humanity? Absolutely. The key takeaway from the book for me. Was I, I so I read? You mentioned that you read some other books about him. Mm-hmm. I read that Ashley Vance. Biography. Yeah, exactly. Right, and that was actually what made me want to get a Tesla. So okay. I, I read that probably around 2018. You might actually that. You, how do you say this? that? That actually rings a bell to me because I I didn't realize that until you just said it. But I think uh, anyway. But yeah. keep, continue. So, so my wife wants to get a Tesla because she's like, oh, it's a cool, sexy new car, and mm-hmm. I want to get one. I don't care about cars. Mm-hmm. I didn't care. Yeah. I read that biography and. I was like, I want to support the, what this guy's doing. Mm-hmm. This is incredible, mm-hmm. you know. Um, what I did, I, so what that Vance biography didn't do was it didn't key into as much of his childhood Correct. as this this Isaacson yeah. biography right, did, right. which I think the Isaacson that that background in the Isaacson biography gives a lot of color to help explain sure how he got to be who he is, how he how is. he is, yeah. Um, but the other thing that I didn't get from the, the first one that I, I, I've, my biggest takeaway from the Isaacson biography was that so many of these developments, so many of these breakthroughs that his companies have experienced mm-hmm. were a direct result of his involvement and his pushing absolutely, and his expertise so I sort of thought, oh, he's a really smart. Even after reading that first book, I thought, well, he's a brilliant guy. He's a really mm-hmm. smart guy. 
he's a fairly savvy business person and he's got a, uh, an ungodly level of, you know, self confidence. Sure. And he's fortunate that he's aligned himself with a lot of other really smart people that can make these breakthroughs. And what I saw time and again in that book is that he's got, he's surrounded by the smartest people Mm -hmm. and they say, you know, this can't be done. He goes and he learns as much as he can about whatever this is. Mm -hmm. And then he comes back with a novel approach and says, do this. Yep. They say, no, it can't Can't be done. done. It can't be done. And he says, do Do it. it. (laughs) And, and every once in a while, it just doesn't happen often in the book, but there are a few times where he says, you know, look, I'll, I'll jump on the grenade. And if it, if it fails, Mm -hmm. it's my fault. Absolutely. And there are times when it does fail, Yep. but more often than not, it succeeds. And this team of engineers, of scientists, of brilliant minds, experienced minds go, oh my gosh. So the fact that this one individual Mm -hmm. is this force of nature is incredibly inspiring because I'm no Elon Musk. I'm not in Mensa. Mm-hmm. I'm not creating rockets. Right. None of that. But the fact that one person can make that much of an impact mm-hmm. can have such an effect on electric cars. I mean, the only reason Ukraine is able to fight Russia right now is mm-hmm. because of Starlink. Starlink. Yeah. You know, so there is a, you know, a gaggle of examples we can cite. But the fact that one person has made such an immense contribution to humanity and where it will likely be in a hundred and in 300 years is incredibly inspiring. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think I, I, I'm forgetting the term he uses, but he, he, the, the, the thing that he does over and over again, the thing that he's done over and over again are these, he will, um, again, there's a word that I'm, I'm just blanking on where these, it's like this brutal, like he is sleeping in the factory and they are going hardcore. The going hardcore is a phrase around, but exactly. We'll just use that as the, as the concept But going hardcore. What, what Elon Musk has done over and over again is he goes all in like every time he it's all, if there's something that he believes in, it's, it's chips all in. Mm -hmm. And then he goes hardcore with a team that he's pushing to a place that they didn't know that was pod they, that was in, it basically without him it would have been impossible mm-hmm. and sometimes he asks the impossible and the impossible sometimes doesn't happen sure. but but yeah that's that that thing that he does is um you know a byproduct of all of the ingredients the good ones and the you know the sweet ones the bitter ones all those things came together to, to kind of create who he is and i mean again like him i i respect game (laughs) and you know i respect people who do things and uh you know and he's done the hardest things and um he's the funny i mean when as you read that he is the he is as more flawed of a human being (laughs) as flawed i don't know how you say he's so um uh, joyously human, um, mm-hmm. and, and joyously petty at times. I, I actually, I, I, I think he, he <laughs> I know you me, appreciate, his I, petty. I, I appreciate his, I'm not, I don't, I personally don't feel like I'm not petty in the way that he is. And I didn't have any of the harshness that he's had. Um, but it just makes him human. I yeah. mean, I think somebody who could do such great things, I, I guess to me, it's almost like, um, 
I don't know, Da Vinci or you, you name it, you know, we'll never, there's never going to be an, a, an, a, whatever, a a true revealing biography about these people. But I I think that the the core truth is, is that, um, we talked about Taylor Swift before is there's a person walking around in the world, um, who people will talk about after her time. Mm -hmm. There's a person walking you know, really in in our time, Elon Musk is, is on the Mount Rushmore of people that, that, uh, people will be talking about him, Mm -hmm. um, you know, moving in a forward direction. Um, but his life too is fleeting. So he too will be laid down someday. And, uh, when that happens, kind of like they've done to Steve Jobs is when that happens, some of these uh, inconvenient truths will likely kind of, you know, recede and they'll put them on a pedestal and they'll put them up there and they'll, and and people will say that's so that, that he, he uh, was different than us. He could do things we can't do. And, 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 and almost there's this glorification kind of a thing. Um, And in my mind, it's like the people on the pedestals, um, like it's fine to have them on a pedestal, but I actually enjoy the, the, the flaws in those Mm -hmm. people because it it basically, it tells you that anything is actually possible that they're actually, honestly, Elon Musk, uh, you know, had, had more challenges than I had, um, you know, and, and, and so, so forth and so on. But I'd say that's the thing that I think everybody looks at other people and think they have, um, something, anybody who's sort of successful, yeah. oh, they had something I didn't have. Um, and, you know, maybe it's true, but I'd say they, they also had a whole lot of baggage that they've been carrying around too, likely. Yeah, I think what you just said, though, it, it underscores the fact that there's always this revisionism that takes place after we croak, after yep. we move on. Right. So we have a tendency to um, canonize people and put, this, put them on this pedestal. Mm-hmm. And then they're not there after, but but after they're there long enough, then we resurrect those flaws. Yeah. Sometimes we we amplify those flaws, mm-hmm. and then we topple the statue. <laughs> I guarantee you, I am doing things that in a hundred years or fifty years, nobody's going to think about me in a hundred years or fifty years. But if they did, they would be sort of ashamed. Um, as an example, you're a vegetarian, correct? I don't eat meat. That's correct. Is that a vegetarian or not? A vegetarian? <laughs> or is there a different definition? I'm just going to make sure. I don't eat meat. You don't eat meat. So, and I don't, do you hate people who eat meat? Of course not. It's a little silent. Like, there's, is there no judgment whatsoever? Zero. Okay, good. Someday, I believe, I eat meat. I love to eat meat. Yeah. Um, someday in my lifetime, I believe there will come a point of time where people will be uh, fascinated that people might like me existed that actually ate animals. Yes. Um, that's going to happen within my lifetime. If I like, I mean, I don't have to live that long, but if I just live to be a sort of a relatively normal old man. So I think that's a good example of in, but in today's age, it's, this is what we do and this is how we live. And, you know, there's nothing, you know, I'm not uh, evil and I'm not special, but it's sort of that same sort of thing. So back to Elon Musk, I'd say, when you're reading those chapters, I'm listening to the book, but you're listening to those chapters. I'm, I love to go to that place of gosh, what was it like in Tesla of 2016? Mm -hmm. And when, when like basically they were going to go bankrupt and out of business because they didn't have it figured out. Mm -hmm. Um, now people just assume, no, this was destined to happen. It wasn't destined to happen. It shouldn't have happened. In fact, none of that, you know, should have been possible. And so people do that all the times. They, they, they do that about, um, everything. And, and, and to me, those back to the chronic critic concept is, you know, especially people who aren't, who haven't done 
anything, um, find it easy to be, you know, critical of things, but they also sort of assume uh, an ending um, when you just go back in time, like nothing out of that was, was predestined, nothing. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I've got two Teslas now, years later. All right. I've got a Cybertruck on order. Do you really? Yeah. And wow. I've got to see where I'm at in the queue, so i got to run. Ah, we got to go. you got to get that truck uh, rolling. Keep it rolling. Here you go. Next week on Out of Breath. Obstructive sleep apnea is a throat issue 100% of the time. Almost always the nose is impacted. If you cannot effectively treat those areas, you shouldn't be treating patients who have those issues or you need resources to help you.